Yes, 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 it is the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Farzine Vasugan here alongside Zach Steginga. And boy, what a week it's been. Hope you guys had a happy Halloween. Hope you guys are having a great week as we are inching closer and closer to the weekend. Uh, well, it's Friday, actually, uh, as most of you guys are listening. So, podcast came out a day late. It's been a long week. Appreciate you guys being patient. I got some tweets about that. Uh, appreciate all of you guys who were patient about it. Farzi Vesugian here, along with Zach Segna. Facebook.com slash Farzi Vesugian. That is the Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzi21 and Zach at Z Stegna. Subscribe to the podcast and text in 913-808-2119. We will read a few texts later on in the podcast. All right, real quickly. Uh, like I said, it's been an insane week. Been very busy. Uh, I will say now we are not doing a Facebook Live on Sunday. I know we do them at halftime and after the game. Uh, I'll go into detail on Sunday's podcast as to why there won't be one for Sunday. I mean, it'll basically be after the game, but I'll explain all of that later on because we've got a lot to get into and I want to keep this as short as possible. We've got a lot to touch on, so going to get into that real quickly, but before I do that, I'll bring in Zach all the way from New York City. Zach Stegna here joining us. Zach, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, far is just, you know, I'll be honest. Similarly busy week was, uh, you know, not, you know, not disappointed to see, uh, you know, we had to postpone the recording date because I was also swamped at work. So, you know, you know, it's just that time of year, man. People, uh, people think like this is what we do with our lives. Hey, that 24/7. means we're good at it, right? I, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I was reading one of our like iTunes reviews several months ago, and someone was complaining that the episodes are way too long, and they're suggesting to record more. It's like. Do you think I just it's, twiddle it's my a thumbs, hobby, bro? <laughs> do you think I just twiddle my thumbs and like I, I wait for the podcast to like do it whenever I want? I mean, spoiler alert, guys! If if we had ads or something, then maybe there would be you know a reason to have this be a uh, you know money making enterprise. But you, there's no <laughs> ads, which should indicate to you this is a hobby. So yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we, we, we have jobs. doing a good job, but yeah, that's this is not how we uh, you know pay rent. Believe it or not, Zach and I have these things called full-time jobs. I mean, I'm co-running a business. Zach's busy as hell with his job. Uh, we also have these things called uh, lives. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but um, yeah, it, life happens sometimes. So this came out uh, a day late. So uh, appreciate real the quickly, patience, though. Yes, uh, definitely appreciate the patience. Uh, real quickly, uh, got to give a quick shout out to uh, a couple from Boston. Uh, who listened to the podcast, one of them a long-time listener, uh, Steve and Lara had the pleasure of meeting them on Saturday. Steve is a long, long, long-time listener of the podcast, I think since I was like 16 years old and had a bit of a different voice back then, so he's been listening for a very long time. He served in the Navy for six years, so very cool. I always love coming across people who have been in the military, have represented our great nation, so very cool to meet him, and uh, this is very cool. His wife... Uh, her name's Lara. Uh, they're from the Boston area, so moral of the okay. story: there are are there Chiefs fans from Boston. Even more important, um, his wife was a Patriots fan, and he converted her before the whole Mahomes thing happened. Like, if you do not get Chiefs fan of the year for that, like, what? Who who do you give Chiefs fan of the year to? Like, you converted, and, and okay, people will say, "Oh, well, it's uh, you know, say, that's she's not his an award wife. we're trying to give out." Like, hold on now. <laughs> no, it, it, but people might say, "Oh, well, she's his uh, husband." Uh, you know, uh, 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 or, excuse, I might say she she is his wife. Pardon me. 
Uh, of course, it's easy to convert her. We're talking about a Patriots fan converting to a Chiefs fan after six Super Bowl rings. Yeah, no, that's that's some serious ups on Steve. But also, you know, for Lara, for you know, seeing the light and uh, you know, coming over to you know the side where you know maybe there's fewer rings, but I think it's a heck of a lot more fun. He told me uh, they went to the um, season opener a couple of years ago when the Chiefs destroyed the Patriots mm-hmm. on their home turf. He goes, dude, I'm never going to Foxborough ever again. The fans are jerks. So that was pretty funny. That fun. doesn't also, shock me. Uh, have you ever had um, coffee syrup? What? Coffee syrup. Yeah, I know. I said the same thing. Uh, so they gave me like this, I guess the a New England thing. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not a coffee drinker. But they said, we want you to have this. It's from Boston. And it's coffee syrup. And... So is I, like it I said, I'm not a, or is it syrup or is it syrup? Yeah, I, I, I guess it's like syrup coffee? that you put. It's I guess it's syrup you put on coffee. I I, I don't like I said I don't huh. drink coffee, but I guess I'm gonna have to try now. I'm mildly <laughs> so, intrigued by this. I'll have to uh, let you know how it goes. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, very cool meeting uh, meeting them. Uh, and like I said, Steve's a long time listener, and of course was in the Navy, so very cool meeting them over the weekend. All right, uh, let's get right into it because uh, obviously the Chiefs have got a big game. This week against the Vikings, Kareem Hunt is back from his suspension. How is he going to do? And I said this on the last episode. I wanted to talk about Disney Plus and how could that impact your viewing experience as a Chiefs fan? All of that, plus we'll read your text later on as well. Uh, let's start with uh, the trade deadline, though, because the Chiefs, all of a sudden, out of nowhere... Became the front runners of for of all players, Le'Veon Bell, the running back for the New York Jets. He was originally with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He held out in the final year with the Steelers. Uh, wanted more money. The Steelers didn't give it to him. By the way, I don't know if you heard about this, but the Steelers actually tried trading for Le'Veon Bell. Did you I hear did about see that? that? Yeah, I think I, they're uh, not realizing that. Hmm. You lose Le'Veon Bell. You lose Antonio Brown, and then all of a sudden, you wonder why your offense isn't what it once was. It's a shock. Yeah. But. Uh, I mean, Roethlisberger's absence might have to do something with that as well. But yeah, uh, I mean, never thought we'd see that. But anyway, the Chiefs, all of a sudden, they became the frontrunners to get Le'Veon Bell. And it didn't happen, but the Jets had this big fire cell where everyone except for Darnold was was available. Everyone was expecting a defender like Patrick Peterson. Um, Look, I don't know what my takeaway is. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell would have been a massive upgrade and definitely a boost for the Chiefs' offense, especially when Patrick Mahomes would come back, whether it's this week or whenever. Um, I don't know uh, how I feel about that. Again, I would have been more happy with an offensive lineman, which that didn't happen either. A lot of people are upset with Brett Veach, though, saying he didn't do anything once again at the trade deadline. What is your takeaway from... What the Chiefs have right now, which is essentially no no moves at the trade deadline. I mean, were there a couple of moves that I would have liked to see? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I even tweeted out, uh, you know, I was hearing a little bit of uh, chatter that possibly the Patriots would be making a move for O.J. Howard of the Buccaneers. Uh, and, I mean, I personally was way more excited about the prospect of going after him instead. Just because if you picture, you know, just think what Andy could do with him and Kelsey on one side of the formation, uh, you know, and then you slide Tyreek, you know, in motion and then run behind those two. It's like, a, you know, find me better lead blockers out there. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to do so. Oh, and they can both stretch the field? Like, yeah, it would be a ton of fun to have seen something like that. Or then, in the aftermath of this whole thing, 
seeing that you know Jamal Adams was evidently up for grabs from the Jets as well. Um, you know, certainly would have been useful to have in the secondary. Do you picture him, Thornhill, and Matthew back there? I mean, I sure don't hate the looks of that. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, and this is not to you know bash on Le'Veon Bell either, because obviously he would make our offense more dynamic too. But oh, all yeah. of this comes down to, you know, and this is the part that we don't see. All we see as fans is like, hey, we could have had this guy. We could have had that guy. Wouldn't that have been fun? But the part that wasn't discussed is what was the asking price? I mean, there's a reason these deals didn't get done. And I have a feeling it's because the asking price was ridiculous. Uh, because while I'm always happy to make the team better, it's got to be at the right price. You can't absolutely mortgage the future. Like, you know, like it or not, this isn't, you know... What always gets compared to with the Chiefs, you know, having Mahomes now, uh, you know, there's always kind of the, uh, you know, echoes of Royals fandom uh, saying, like, why don't we sell out to get to that World Series, so to speak, the way the Royals did to get in in 2014 and 15. The Chiefs are different because obviously the NFL is vastly different in that they have a salary cap system, so you don't have nearly as many players bailing out for bigger markets and bigger contracts. Everybody has a similar ability to pay. And so, yeah. you know, our window isn't just a couple of years with Mahomes. We have like, you know, 10 on the conservative side and realistically probably more than that. So we can't mortgage the future just for one win. Like, come on, guys, like, let's settle down and cut Veach a little bit of slack. You know, you make some good points. And I'll say this. I was going to get into the asking price like that's that can be very hefty, especially when you are the Chiefs. Like a lot of people and I know they have three losses already this year. It at the same time, everyone's expecting the Chiefs to have a very low first-round pick, so they're not as enticing of a team to want to trade with. Um, the other part of it, look, the Chiefs did have a very strong offer for Jalen Ramsey, but according to reports, the Jaguars were not willing at all to trade Ramsey to the Chiefs. So sometimes it's just, well, what can you do? You you can't do anything about that sometimes. You're you're stuck. It's out of your. It's out of your control. Um, the other part of it, you know, you kind of touch on this, Zach. You got to think short term versus long term too. Uh, you got to think both. Absolutely, you got to think of both uh, sides. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's frustrating. You want to see a move be made. Um, at the same time, you know, come March, you know, someone's going to complain on Twitter saying, "Well, we once again traded away a first round draft pick." So. It's hard to even be in a win-win situation if you are Brett Veach. Not that, you know, a lot of these general managers care about public opinion, but let's be honest, nowadays with social media being bigger than ever, the public perception is pretty important. It should be important to the franchise. Not saying, you know, just listen to fans because they can supposedly run a football team better. We have all these armchair general managers who know, who think they know how a salary cap works, like it's the same thing in Madden or, or whatever. Um... But, you know, it's frustrating. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't think we saw many deals made. Um, there were tons of players that were rumored to be on the move, and very few, a tiny percentage of them ended up getting traded for. Yeah, it was amazing how many were rumored versus what actually ended up taking place. I was amazed at the, uh, you know, the, I guess, what appeared to be a heck of a disconnect there. Uh, makes me wonder if it wasn't just like, you know, that arbitrary, that kind of 4 o'clock Eastern cutoff. Uh, makes me wonder if there weren't some deals that were, you know, if they had given an extra hour, would they have gotten done? Who knows? Uh, but was definitely, uh, yeah, part of me wonders if it wasn't just a publicity stunt to the way that, you know, the NBA trade deadline is always a little bit more interesting because you actually have big marquee players move every once in a while. 
Um, whereas at the NFL, like, you know, it's so much more heavily built through the draft as opposed to trading. Um, so I think it may have just been, uh, you know, float some of those rumors just to get public interest on it as well. Didn't the Dolphins, the Dolphins got Aqib Tlaib, right? They did. So. I think they like got Aqib Tlaib and a fifth round pick for a seventh round pick or maybe Aqib Tlaib and a That is a very weird trade. It's a salary what was the what was the Rams what's the Rams record right now? Do you have that do you know what it is by chance? I don't. I want to say okay, it's, it's something comparable. It's to something the Chiefs, good though. though. Yeah, they're not they're not in tank mode by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, if the addition of Ramsey made Tlaib expendable and he's been hurt anyway, uh, you know, I think that being able to offload some of that contract was really what yeah, I think that effectively Miami just bought the Rams fifth round pick there and also happened to get a keep to leave for good measure. I, I just thought it was funny. You know, we talked about Muhammad Sanu going from a 1-7 team to an unbeaten team, and Tlaib goes from, like, a great team to a winless team. It's like, man, your life will change really quickly just like that, with a trade like that. But uh, Part of uh, me wonders no. if Tlaib doesn't just request a release and then go do something else. Like, if I was his agent, I would be absolutely on the phone with Miami saying, like, yeah, so... We're, we're technically coming over to you guys on paper, but my client is not suiting up in the Dolphins uniform. It's not happening. Release no. us and let's call it a day. Uh, but no moves for the Chiefs at the trade deadline. However, one Chief was fine last weekend. Tyreek Hill, and I've got to say, I actually saw this coming. I didn't say anything about it. I noticed it right when it happened. He was fined for, I guess it's considered taunting. I didn't read the article, but I suppose it's in the rule book of taunting. Uh, he flashed the peace sign at a Denver player, like straight at his face. I know everyone's saying he's been doing that celebration for years. Yes, he mm-hmm. has. But just like the Rams game last year, he pointed that right at a player's face. And when you do that, that is taunting. And people who are saying, oh, they're just trying to beat up the Chiefs on the fines. No, they're not. This has been a rule, and the NFL has cracked down on this. If you remember several years ago in the NFC Championship game, Reggie Bush juked Brian Erlacher and went on his way to the end zone. And while doing so, he pointed at Brian Erlacher and got fined for it. A Cowboys player the week before got fined for waving at a Packers player while on his way to the end zone. And look, I mean, a lot of these defenders, yeah, sure, they probably hate that because they're rubbing it in. But I'm sure these defenders are more pissed off that they got beat or torched by these players Look, I, I, I get where the league is coming from. They're trying to show a side of sportsmanship, but come on, like you can with these microphones that those um I forgot what they call them, but those like shotgun mics and those uh I think they call them parable mics that you have on the field. I should know this. I held it once for ESPN uh, as like a side gig once when I was in high school. Um, you know, when you're out there, by the way, you know what I'm talking about? Those like big round. Oh, the big, yeah, the uh, the bubble looking things. Yeah. They, they, they look like a bowl, like a gigantic bowl. Uh, I held one for ESPN once for a Wizards game before they became Sporting KC. Dude, I had a soccer coming right at me and I have headphones on so I can actually hear the noise. It's actually pretty cool. I once aimed it at the crowd and turned it up in my headphones. It's pretty cool what you can pick up. I believe but, it. But man, uh, the... the this, the noise when the ball hit the, the mic, oof, uh, I, I don't even want to describe that. Uh, I, I just get a headache thinking about that. But, uh, you know, those mics, you can hear players cursing at each other, saying, you know, hey, you know, 
F you, you know, SOB. I mean, you hear all kinds of things from the sidelines, from players and coaches. So it's not like, you know, the peace sign. Of all things, the peace sign is the worst thing in the world that a player could be showing on the field, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly better than if he flipped him off on the way to the end zone. But, uh, <laughs> you know, by the same token, like, I, you got to understand that you know, these players, like, you know, it's kind of a slap on the wrist as far as the fine is concerned. And, like, you know, the way that Tyreek, you know, has kind of made that his trademark thing, I think he happily eats the $10,000 or whatever the fine is for something yeah, like that. Yeah, a little over 10000 yeah, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not chump change, especially for, you know, early on when he was on his rookie deal, for example, like, that's eh, a pretty hefty chunk of that change, um, but, you know, now that he's been paid, I don't think it's that big a deal, I just think it's kind of crazy that, like, you know, that's not acceptable, but some of the crazy celebrations are, it's like, just, you know, let them have a little fun, like, screw the fines, but I don't know, that's just my my take on it. Uh, again, I get they want to show sportsmanship, but, uh, you know, you, you, you see and hear a lot of other things. Uh, I really want the NFL to kind of loosen up a bit on the taunting thing. Um, you know, I, let's be honest, though. Like, if, if someone else, like, if someone on the Raiders pointed at, you know, Dan Sorensen on his way to the end zone, I, I think we'd be pretty pissed off about that, but. You know, You're probably maybe right, I would at the same time. Like, I think I'd be more annoyed at Dan Sorensen for getting dusted. Exactly, and I think Dan Sorensen would be more bothered by that than anything else mm-hmm. as well. Um, real quickly, before we get to our Chiefs and Vikings breakdown for Sunday's game, Kareem Hunt is back. He's returning from his eight-game suspension plus the five games last year where he was on the commissioner's exempt list. He was released anyway, so it didn't really matter. Uh, he was involved in three incidents in one offseason with KC after his rookie year where police had to show up to the scene and he was involved in what was apparently some sort of misunderstanding yet the police still showed up to that scene while he was with cleveland this offseason off the field is one thing um but as far as on the field how does he do and i'm not going to judge him on one game back because it's been 11 months since his last regular season game he's got to get his feet wet a little bit so i'm going to give it a couple of games but man this guy at one point led the NFL on rushing for a year, his his rookie year of all years. I know uh, Ezekiel Elliott was suspended, but hey, look, you can't really apologize for that. You, you can't put an asterisk next to someone's name because other teams' players are injured. I mean, it is what it is. But Andy Reid is a running back whiz, also a quarterback whiz, but he's a big running back whiz. Uh, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware, Brian Westbrook. LaShawn McCoy, uh, who's also now in Kansas City. Uh, Andy Reid's got a great track record with running backs, uh, and for a long term, too. But how does Kareem Hunt now do without Andy Reid? That is the biggest thing I'm going to keep a close eye on. How does he do without a, a, a running backs coach like Andy Reid? You know, it'll be interesting to see. I think that, you know, realistically, there will certainly be some opportunity for him, just because if there's one thing that Kareem Hunt always did really well, it's that he took care of the football with the absence, of course, of his first carry in the league. Uh, you know, he's done a good job of taking care of the ball. And, you know, I think that if you look at the game that the Browns played last week against the Patriots, uh, you know, if it weren't for a couple of Nick Chubb fumbles, they could have really, you know, had a competitive game there in the first half. Instead, you had two fumbles on what was effectively two straight possessions for the Browns. 
that led to the Patriots taking an early seventeen to nothing lead uh, and definitely changed the uh, you know general I guess feel of that game. You know, does did it ultimately change the outcome? Who knows? But uh, I think that you know in the in the opportunity that exists there with Cleveland to come in and uh, you know be the back that is about as dynamic as Nick Chubb, uh, at least it, assuming he plays back to his his historical standards uh, but does so taking care of the ball i mean i don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to be you know an rb1 out there in cleveland so i think that you know he'll maybe be a little bit slow out of the gates but uh it wouldn't shock me to see in you know two three weeks him being back to the cream hunt of old so if you've got him on your fantasy lineups get ready i wouldn't start him this week but i'd certainly be ready to here in the coming weeks I think it's only fitting we're discussing this while there's police activity in the background. Uh, you got is there a Halloween party that's that's coming to an end soon? Oh, I'm sure area? there's I'm sure there's a bunch of those everywhere. To be honest, yeah, it's just yeah, it was a more entertaining walk home this afternoon or evening, I should say, just because you walk past all the people in costumes and that's yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, real quickly, I know. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, real quickly looking at the injury report as we now are going to get into the Chiefs-Vikings game. Uh, He was a limited participant in practice. He's been limited all week, as he was last week, dealing with that knee knee and ankle injury. There was a report out there that there is some optimism that he could play this week. Uh, Not exactly sure, you know, how things are going to go. I know we'll wait for Friday's practice. And at the same time... uh, you know, you want to be very careful because this is a guy you definitely don't want to rush back on the field. That is something that, you know, you don't want it to be like the RG3 situation. By the way, uh, we mentioned Halloween. Uh, I'm sure, you, you know, this is you knew this, but there are a lot of kids dressing up as Patrick Mahomes for Halloween. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, he's probably, so, I mean, you were handing out candy this evening. I would guess he is one of the most popular costumes you saw. Am I right on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I was hoping for more, like, Marvel or Power Ranger costumes. By the way, I never... The only colored pa- Power Ranger I saw was a pink Power Ranger on multiple occasions. I'm like, where are the Red Rangers? But, uh, topic for another time. I mean, it's uh, been a while so, since they've made some Power Ranger stuff, so I can understand I, I the suppose. lack. I suppose. I suppose. But, uh, definitely, you know, I came across, like, five, six Patrick Mahomes costumes, and, you know, you know, when you see kids, you know, you want to crack a joke once in a while. So I'm asking all these kids, I go, Patrick, are you going to play this Sunday? And the first kid was like, there's an awkward pause. He goes, no. Aww. Like, wow. <laughs> what what a, what a an exuberant child you are. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, it happens. Uh, every single kid that had a Patrick Mahomes costume, I asked him if they're going to play this Sunday. Every single one of them said no. Well, you know, they say that, you know, kids do a nice job of, you know, saying things that adults don't want to admit. So, it very well could be the case, but who knows? <laughs> that is a pretty good call. Uh, no, uh, but nonetheless, we'll see what happens with Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure uh, we'll talk about it on social media, but uh, his uh, status still up in the air right now for Sunday. A lot of reports last week said he's more, he's expected to come back against Tennessee the following week. That'd be more realistic. But uh, I suppose there's some optimism for him to come back on Sunday. And speaking of Sunday afternoon at Arrowhead, it'll be 51 degrees at kickoff, 54 degrees at the end of the game, 1% chance of rain. Great. Uh, so very good. Winds up to 11 to 12 miles an hour. Referee for this game, Alex Kemp, a second-year NFL referee, been officiating games since 2014 as a field judge and side judge. He has been in six games that have involved the Chiefs, but none as a referee. In fact, this is his uh, first time. 
being a part of a Chiefs game since November uh, of 2016. Uh, that is when the Chiefs played the Bucks at home, lost to the Bucks. Uh, as far as the betting line goes, the Vikings are two and a half point favorites. The announcers for this game, Kevin Burkhart, Charles Davis, and Pam Oliver, the field reporter. So yes, this game is on Fox. Generally, these Chiefs games are on CBS, but because it's an NFC game coming into, into town, the Chiefs will be playing on Fox. And as far as the TV map goes, you've got a wide viewing audience for this. A lot of people in the Midwest are going to be getting the game. And even a small part of the uh, California area, Southern California, going to be getting the game as well. Uh, New Orleans, uh, I mean, basically all of Louisiana, Arkansas, most of Oklahoma, uh, you know, everyone in the South, a majority of Georgia, parts of Florida, uh, and even going up north a little bit to Tennessee, Virginia, uh, Kentucky, Ohio, and then kind of in the northeast region, that New England area, uh, Massachusetts, Maine, Rhode Island, uh, got that area as well. So a lot of people going to be tuning in for this Chiefs game on Sunday. And as far as the injury report goes, man, the Chiefs have a very long list. But Dustin Colquitt, one of the new guys on the injury report, he's got a left thigh injury. He was kind of limping after one of his punts against the Packers. Uh, so he's been limited all week. Uh, Eric Fisher did not practice, nor did Frank Clark, who is day-to-day with a neck injury. Take that for what you will. Uh, LDT, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, he did not practice, nor did Alex Okafor. So those are the players who have not practiced this week for the Vikings, uh, Adam Thielen was limited with a hamstring injury. Linval Joseph and Shamar St- uh, Steven, both defensive tackles, were full participants this week, both with a knee injury. And real quickly, uh, Viking safety J- uh, Jaron Curse was arrested on suspicion of a driving while impaired or DWI with a loaded gun, uh, according to police, the Minnesota State Patrol, that is. Uh, they stopped it at, at 4 a.m., on a Sunday, so there's that. But he's not a big player by any means. Has 11 tackles in eight games. The team is aware and they're trying to gather info. But as far as the actual team themselves, they've won four straight games after starting two and two. We talked about this earlier this year, Zach, where Stefan Diggs wanted out, and the, you know everything seemed like it was in turmoil for the Vikings at two and two. And here they are. They have now won four consecutive games. Uh, they've definitely got the hot hand in the NFC. Uh, you look at uh, what they've done. On the year so far on the road, lost their first two road games against division rivals Green Bay and Chicago, but they beat the Giants and the Lions on the road, and they're hoping to make it three straight road games. Uh, What's your takeaway when you hear that they started off kind of slow, and here they are now pretty much on fire? I mean, I would say that realistically, it all comes down to the fact that they, you know, made a switch in the offense, Uh, you know. When Diggs was looking to get out, it was mostly because he felt that the passing game as a whole was underutilized, and he wasn't wrong on that. I mean, don't get me wrong, Dalvin Cook is an incredible running back, and I don't look forward to seeing what he does to our run defense, but uh, you know, if you only focus on that, you know, you've got two incredibly dynamic weapons on the outside with Thielen and Diggs, so you know, you, I mean, really, they have all the materials they need to run a fairly balanced offense, uh, and the fact that they were you know, leaning a little too heavily on the run... I think is part of what led to that two and two start, uh, but they certainly seem to have that ship righted from here forward. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they're able to kind of keep up that momentum. Though hopefully, uh, you know, not this Sunday. Uh, Got to give a lot of credit to Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the Vikings. His very first job as a coach, defensive assistant for Missouri in 1979, then became a defensive coordinator for Washington State. 
Uh, he's been uh, defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, Atlanta Falcons, and the Cincinnati Bengals as well. He served for guys like uh, Mike Price at Webster State and Washington State, uh, Barry Switzer, Chan Gailey, former Chiefs offensive coordinator, Bill Parcells in Dallas, and also Bobby Petrino, and also Emmett Thomas when Emmett Thomas became the interim head coach in Atlanta. So a couple of local connections there with MU and some former Chiefs assistant coaches. Uh, so he definitely has some familiarity with um, with the area in, in some capacity. As far as the offense goes, Kevin Stefanski, uh, he did not get drafted uh, out of college, but he did get an internship right away with the Eagles in 2005 as an assistant coach. Uh, then became Penn's uh, assistant director of uh, football operations, his alma mater. And he's been with the Vikings since 2006. Now became an offensive coordinator. Last year he was the interim OC after John DeFlippo was let go late last year. So uh, he is now carrying the duty full time. And man, he's done a great job. 10th in points per game, 3rd in total offense, 16th in passing, and 3rd in rushing. They're top 12 in uh, first downs per game, third down conversions, and fourth down conversions. And they've got a really good offense, so let's get right into that. Kirk Cousins, under center, 13th in passing yards, just below 2,000 yards. He's tied 10th with Tom Brady and uh, and Minshew with 13 touchdowns, and he's just he's got just three interceptions on the year. He's been sacked 15 times, which is about average for starting quarterbacks. This is pretty key. He's got 115.2 quarterback passer rating. That's the second best behind Russell Wilson, who's got 115.5. So, Cousins has 115.2, Wilson has 115.5. Now, the biggest reason why the offense is so good, this offensive line, uh, Brian, o- uh, excuse me, Brian O'Neill, the left tackle, one of the best run blockers in the NFL, Riley Re- uh, Reef, the left tackle, another solid run blocker, O'Neal, the better run blocker, Reef, uh, a much better pass blocker, and then their left guard, Pat Elfine, uh, not a good pass blocker, but a great run blocker. And you got Garrett Bradbury, who is one of the worst centers in the league, but it has not been noticeable at all. And you can tell with Dalvin Cook, their running back, who leads the NFL in rushing yards and touchdowns with 823 yards and nine touchdown runs on the year. He ties first with runs of 20-plus yards or more with six. Uh, last week, he had just 98 yards and a touchdown, but he has been doing really well and his backup, Alexander Matson, the uh, third-round draft pick rookie for the Vikings, they've been doing a great job at running the football. And one note here, they've got the second-most rush attempts uh, with 263 behind San Francisco's 272. And it's pretty obvious. They do a great job of running the ball. So, hey, why not keep running the football? Absolutely. And it makes you know, it makes tons of logical sense given that you know, their offensive line is built to do that. And Dalvin Cook, when he was coming out of uh, Florida State, you know, people were comparing him a little bit to Jamal Charles with less top-line speed but the same level of shiftiness. The only knock on him up to this point has been that he couldn't stay healthy. But now that he's been able to string together, you know, so far uh, his first completely healthy season, uh, he's shown absolutely what he can do. Uh, and so, I mean, like I said earlier, I don't necessarily love what we're going to see on Sunday of him going up against our run defense now, if it's the run defense that we got against the Broncos, well, all of a sudden we might be in better shape here. But, uh, yeah, we're going to need an effort more like that one and less like last week against the Pats and Aaron Jones. Dalvin Cook's also a guy who they use a lot in the passing game, kind of like how Andy Reid does with running backs. He's mm-hmm. second on the team in receptions with 29. He's got 293 yards, but no 
catches in the end zone. Stephon Diggs, we just talked about him. That's pretty impressive. When you've got players who are in the top five in multiple areas on offense in their positions. So, for example, Dalvin Cook, he leads the NFL in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. Stephon Diggs is fourth in the NFL in receiving yards with 706. And he's tied second for 20 plus uh, uh, catches of 20 plus yards, I should say. Uh, he had 101 receiving yards in the first three games combined. And now he's had 100 plus yards in four of his last five games. He's had seven catches in each of his last seven games. In fact, uh, two weeks in a row, he's had seven, I actually say four games in a row. Uh, he, uh, two weeks in a row, though, he's had the exact same stat line seven catches for 143 yards and no touchdowns. That's uh, it's pretty hard to do, to do the, that exact same thing two games in a row. Doing really great, too. Uh, he had seven catches for 167 yards in week uh, six against Philly and had three touchdown grabs. That's the last time he's had a touchdown catch with the Vikings. But, hey, they've been able to distribute the ball elsewhere. He does have four fumbles, though, so that is one thing to keep in mind. We mentioned Adam Thielen dealing with that hamstring injury. He has 27 catches and is second in receiving yards on the team with 391. He leads the team with six touchdown grabs. So, surprisingly, Stephon Diggs doesn't lead the team in touchdown catches. That is Adam Thielen's area. And they've also got tight end Kyle Rudolph, who's been a very good tight end. But this year, much quiet. And I don't know if it's because of Dalvin Cook and, and Stephon Diggs doing what, they, what they've been doing all year long. But he's only got 17 catches for 147 yards on a touchdown at 8.6 yard per catch average lowest of his career but hey I don't I suppose it's not hurting, hurting them too badly winning four straight and you got a lot of playmakers on this offense absolutely you do and I think that uh, there's a big part of me that wonders if they didn't try to phase out Rudolph a little bit because I know earlier in the uh you know I guess towards the end of the preseason uh there were rumors that they were the Vikings were going to look to possibly trade Kyle Rudolph uh and that obviously hasn't come to fruition uh, and won't this year because the deadline's now passed. But part of me wonders if they, uh, you know, did that on purpose, uh, you know, or have been minimizing his role in the offense on purpose, just because they don't see him as part of the long-term plan going forward. You look at some of their defensive guys. Well, first let's start with the defensive coordinator George Edwards. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator for the Bills in 2010 through 2011. He was also the defensive coordinator before. With the Redskins in 2003, uh, he's kind of coached all over. Florida, Appalachian State, Duke, his alma mater, uh, Georgia, the Cowboys, the Browns, Dolphins. And he's been with the Vikings since 2014. And some of his playmakers on defense, uh, middle linebacker Eric Kendricks, ninth in the NFL in tackles with 68. Uh, really good defensive lineman. Uh, Daniel Hunter with eight sacks leading the team. Everson Griffin. Four and a half sacks. And we mentioned uh, Linval Joseph on the injury report. He's got three sacks on the year. So a very, very dominant defensive line that will challenge Kansas City's offense. And they've got some good players in the secondary. Anthony Harris, the safety, leads the team with three picks. Cornerbacks Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes each have a pick as well. Let me say this about their defense because they are in the top ten in points per game total defense against the pass and against the run. That sounds pretty scary, especially if you have Matt Moore. But look, whether it's Matt Moore or Patrick Mahomes, I'm confident they can still move the football. And here's why. You have playmakers on offense to do so. you got Sammy Watkins. I, I know he's been inactive a lot, but when he's on the field, man, he can definitely do some damage. you got Tyreek Hill. 
I don't need to get into that. You've also got this guy named McCole Hardman, who, for some crazy reason, only had nine snaps on offense last week. McCoy's fumble on the first play of one of the drives in the second half, that probably has a lot to do with it. But if you give him more opportunities, man, that Vikings defense is going to have a pretty hard time against Kansas City's offense. But uh, with Matt Moore, they might be able to limit this offense more than they would with Patrick Mahomes under the helm. Yeah, and the one thing that I guess gives me some, I guess a little bit of pause is you've got the combination of Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin on the edge, which means one of those two is going to be spending most of the game going up against Cameron Irving. Not great. Uh, but then, as you mentioned, throughout the secondary, you've got, you know, you mentioned Harris, Alexander, and Waynes, but the two guys that come to mind that you didn't mention are Xavier Rhodes, who has, you know, historically been a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. Uh, has struggled a little bit this year, but then also you got a guy named Harrison Smith there uh, at the safety position that is, uh, you know, another first round Pro Bowl type. That uh, you know they've got a stacked secondary and a stacked defensive line, and you know this is going to be a challenge for the Chiefs, uh, at least to be able to move the ball through the air. It'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs don't end up having to, uh, you know, look to establish a little bit more of a run game uh, than we have in the past. But like you said, the explosiveness of you know Hardman and Hill uh, in our passing offense, I think that realistically you can only slow it down. I don't think they'll be able to stop it entirely. And another facet you got to be aware of, yes, this is important for this Sunday, especially special teams. Uh, their coordinator, Marwin Malouf, 14-year NFL coach and a lot of special teams experience. In fact, last year when he was with the Dolphins, he helped then-rookie kicker Jason Sanders make 18 of 20 field goal tries, which tied a Dolphins record for highest field goal percentage. And also Matt Hack, the punter, he had 35 punts inside the 20, which was a team record. Uh, You look at some of his... When he was with the Dolphins from 2013 to 2018, the Dolphins ranked number one in blocked punts during that span with eight. Number one in opponent's field goal percentage with 77.1%. Second in opponent net uh, punting with 38.6, fifth in punts inside the 20 with 181, and fourth in field goal blocks with six. And when we talk about Dave Tobe and the job he's done as a special teams coordinator, which lately has not been very good, Marvin Maloof might be the one of the best, probably the best special teams coordinator in the game today. You look at the job that he's done with his current special teams group. Dane Bailey has made 12 of 14 field goals, all 24 PATs except for one that was blocked. His career long is from 56 on three occasions. Britton Colquitt, he's got 24, excuse me, 24 punts. Uh, his average 16th and his net average is 12th in the NFL. Uh, Return-wise, nothing too crazy. You got running back Amir Abdullah, who's got five kick returns. Uh, Chad Beeb, who's got seven punt returns for 46 yards. And defensive back Marcus Shirelis, who's got six punt returns on the year. There is one bo- blocked punt for Minnesota this year. So you know they're going to bring the heat for Dustin Colquitt. Uh, I know the Chiefs do have a punter on the practice squad. I don't have yeah, his Jack name. Jack Fox. Jack Fox, I was going to say. So he may or may not be playing this Sunday for the Chiefs. And if he is, he's going up against a really good special teams defense. So a lot to be ready for. Uh, when I say defense, I'm talking, you know, trying to defend the punt and block the punt, that kind of thing. So uh, they're up there with New England in terms of great football in all three facets. By the way, uh, they tie eighth with the Chiefs and a couple of other teams for a plus three turnover differential. 
10 giveaways only, 13 takeaways. Uh, it's not like New England's 25 takeaways, but they'll force turnovers. Uh, they're tied sixth with uh, interceptions, uh, getting eight of them this year. All right. Now comes the fun part, our prediction for this game. A lot to consider, a dynamic offense, and a defense that is very sharp, and they can do all kinds of things uh, going up against some of the best offenses in the NFL. I know we're predicting this, not really knowing who's going to start under center. I think I still have a good idea how it'll go down, regardless of who plays. Uh, Zach, I'll go to you first. What is your score prediction? So... I'd say that assuming that Matt Moore is going to be under center, I'm going to go with 35-28 Vikes. If Mahomes is under center, that's a different discussion, and it might be a little bit higher scoring, and who knows, he might actually be able to lead the Chiefs to a victory on that. But I'm going to operate under the assumption that Moore is going to be under center for this week, so 35-28 Vikings. I think even with Moore, uh, I, I still think the Chiefs are going to put up 31 points. But I don't think that's going to be enough. And I know a lot of people will say this is kind of crazy, and fair enough. But I think the Vikings will score 41 points at Arrowhead Stadium. So I'm going 41-31 Minnesota in this week. So you're, you're picking Minnesota as well, though. Yeah, sadly. I mean, just again, given you know the just the volume of injuries we've got and the fact that they're playing really good football and they're... You know, it seems like we've got yet another team where their strengths seem to directly align with our weaknesses, which isn't fun. All right, let's quickly go to some of our text messages before we get to some uh, some other topics on this episode. Uh, from the 251, uh, no name on this one. Injuries have left us little room for mistakes and dropped interceptions. Shady's fumble. Continue talk. By the way, these are all, uh, a couple of these are texts from Sunday night that we couldn't get into from our recap episode. They came in after our recording, but... Uh, Shady's fumble continues to haunt us. We have fought hard in adverse situations, but at the end of the day, moral victories mean very little. I know a lot of people were trying to take in a moral victory for this one, but man, even with Matt Moore, that was a winnable game there, and that makes it frustrating to accept. I mean, yeah, we were... I mean, I think I texted you this, you know, Sunday night, uh, that, yeah, we were a Shady fumble in an absolute Hall of Fame dime throw to Aaron Jones there in the back of the uh, the back of the end zone from it being a different game. Uh, you know, I'm not one for moral victories, certainly not with the Chiefs. I mean, with my Jayhawks, I've had to accept it in the past. But, uh, <laughs> you know, w- with the Chiefs, I've never really been one for moral victories. And so as a result, you know, I think that, you know, Sunday, you know, we left an opportunity or two out there. And I'd really like to not have to say the same a week from now. Though that being said, I want to make it 100% clear that I'd, I'd much rather have to say that than, you know, just have there not be any opportunities. So, you know, take that part with a, a little bit of a grain of salt. But I think that, you know, the Chiefs are going to, they'll be able to hang a little bit with the Vikings. But, I don't know, just makes me a little nervous for this week. Out of the 401, the difference between Patriots fans and Chiefs fans is simple. We accept mediocrity. While the Patriots will not accept it, the, quote, they played hard is a tired excuse and a loser's mentality. Veach better go out and do something or the season is coming to a crashing halt. Again, obviously, that was a text before Tuesday's trade deadline. Uh, That is from Steve. Uh, You know, I'll say this. I think there are some Chiefs fans that are not accepting the whole moral victories thing. I don't know if you saw this, Zach, but CBS Sports came out with uh, a video on Facebook where they show Bill Belichick just giving a simple, great post-game victory speech, 
whereas other coaches are dancing and shouting and getting way too excited. And it's like, the, Bella, a win for Belichick is just another day in the office. John Gruden's shouting and dancing with his team. Andy Reid will do the whole Kool-Aid thing. It's like, man, uh, there are different mindsets uh, when it comes to the Patriots and other teams. Yeah, and I think that, you know, ultimately I think that's the style that, you know, Belichick has cultivated over the years. Does that, you know, I guess, does the fact that Andy Reid goes into the locker room and celebrates after a win lead to more of them versus, you know, Belichick going in and just giving, you know, a solid post-game speech in true Belichickian fashion? You know, I, I don't think that the post-game approach or, you know, the level of emotion they show really is that indicative of their success as head coaches or I don't think it's predictive in any way but by the same token I mean they are a well-oiled machine up there in New England and uh you know say what you want about Belichick but he certainly makes sure that all of his players know their job and do their job and he doesn't accept anything less than the best I mean shoot Mike Nugent missed a couple of kicks this week he's you know not playing on Sunday uh for anybody they went ahead and cut him for missing a few field goals so I mean I can understand where Steve is coming from here, though I think that, you know, don't worry, the sky isn't falling, the season isn't coming to a crashing halt just because we didn't make a move at the deadline. We're going to be okay. Out of the 336, Michael in North Carolina, I still say 12-4. and four, We are a 2 or 3 seed at the end of the year. Uh, the Pats game is the only game we will lose. Am I being realistic or no? Well, Zach and I are picking a, a loss for this Sunday, so... Uh, we do have him with uh, a fourth loss after Sunday's game. Uh, how many more games? And I'm not looking, wanting to go down the schedule, but I could see the Chiefs losing two or three more games. And that, that may sound like a lot, but in this division, it may not seem like much. The Chiefs currently have a four seed. I'm at the point right now, hey, just, just lock up your division, get a playoff game at home, and try to go from there, hope. Hope for the best when it comes to some of the injuries and that a lot of players will come back full strength uh, come January. That's really all I can say at this point. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Like As long as the losses aren't to divisional opponents, which, I mean, they shouldn't be, realistically. Like, you know, if we lose to anyone in the division that we still have to play, I'll be pretty upset. Uh, but, you know, do I think that we win this Sunday? Obviously not. We just had that discussion. I... Uh, assuming that we're at comparable levels of health to what we are right now, I don't like our odds against the Patriots. If we're back at full force, that's going to be a game, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah, I I think that, you know, maybe it's a little bit optimistic. I don't think it's, uh, you know, too crazy to suggest that, you know, the Chiefs could win Sunday and then, you know, win out with the absence of the Patriots game. I could certainly see the uh, rationale there. It just kind of depends on the uh, prognosis on a lot of these injuries. Uh, Last text out of the 860. uh, Hi, Carl from Plano, Texas. It's never good losing at home. We just need to win the division and get the majority of our injured players back. We just said that. So uh, it's almost like uh, Carl uh, can read our mind here. Uh, uh, saying we just need to win the division, get a majority of our injured players back. Uh, always better to peak in the back half. Enjoy your podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for the kind words. Um, we just kind of discussed that, Zach. Uh, you know, and look, I don't want to use injuries as an excuse. Uh, Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, 
you, you know, as Chiefs fans, we are kind of bringing that up a little bit, like we're using that as excuses. But Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, I heard him on Sirius XM doing an interview, and he said injuries are never an excuse. And he actually used the Chiefs as an example, saying the Chiefs are dealing with a lot of injuries and they're still winning games, which sounds off to say right now. But he's basically trying to say the Chiefs are still on top of the division with all these injuries they're dealing with. So uh, he is right when, you know, if for Kansas City, I know, you know, we missed some opportunities even with uh, injuries, but um, he does make a valid point that, you know, injuries are never an excuse. Look at the Saints. They went undefeated without Drew Brees. That's true. I was about, I mean, that actually kind of just throws a wrench into the point I was going to make saying that, yeah, there is certainly a difference between like the injuries that we've had at the beginning of the year versus Mahomes. Mahomes being the quarterback, that's very different. But I guess, you know, with what the sure. Saints have done uh, in Breeze's absence, it maybe renders that a little less uh, you know, strong of an argument. But, I mean, I stand behind it just given the drop-off. You know, the drop-off between Breeze and Bridgewater is certainly not the drop-off between Mahomes and Moore. That's just a fact. Uh, I don't think anybody would begrudge me that. So I think it is a little different, but I absolutely agree with the mentality of you can't let injuries be the thing that stop you. I mean, at least is a terribly general rule. I mean, you certainly account for them, but they're not the only reason that we lost some of these games. Like we've lost some of these games because our run defense isn't great. Uh, or, you know, last week we let Aaron Jones just have a field day on us because we didn't have any linebackers who could cover. Um, and so, you know, it's not just injuries, but healing up will certainly help moving forward. And I absolutely agree that, you know, as long as we're peaking going into the playoffs, uh, you know, the season isn't lost, Chiefs fans. We're just going through the ups and downs like you always do in an NFL season. If you guys want to send us a text, 913-808-2119. Appreciate everyone who sent in a text for this episode and uh, uh, appreciate those being patient for those who sent a text Sunday night. If you guys were expecting it from the recap podcast, well, we got it for you guys now. So appreciate you guys being patient for that. By the way, I forgot to mention, uh, DJ Evans was going to be on the podcast this week, but because I had to push the podcast back, had a bit of a scheduling conflict, so we had to reschedule him. We are going to have him for Sunday's recap episode against the Vikings, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, a couple topics before we sign off here. First thing I want to get into, uh, you mentioned Jamal Adams earlier. Everyone's aware about the whole Jamal Adams-Jets situation, a very ugly situation where Adams told the Jets he wanted to stay, and then the Jets had that fire sale that we were just talking about with Le'Veon Bell. Everyone available except for Sam Darnold. Adams went on social media and said the Jets went behind my back. Uh, You know, we're seeing a lot of public drama out there with Broncos quarterback Joe Flacco. I know he's not playing this week, but he called out his team, his entire team, players, coaching staff, saying that the offense is playing too scared right now. We saw what happened in Oakland with Antonio Brown and Mike Mayock. I mean, I have never seen anything like that before. None of us have. Uh, and then this whole Jamal Adams thing where he's on social media ranting. And look, he's not the first person to rant on social media about his professional situation with his team. But Pat Kerwin on uh, Sirius XM basically lashed out and called out some of these players. Like, what is it with the obsession of Twitter or Instagram where players feel the need to not think twice and just go straight to their social media page and just rant on there? Like, what happened to the time where players and coaches, general managers, they took care of things behind closed doors. Because 15, 20 years ago, we didn't have this whole thing on social media. You know, players were not able to express their feelings and 
basically put all the dirty laundry out there. Now we're seeing it a lot. And I don't know what kind of message that sends, especially for future NFL players and how they'll handle situations like this when they get to that bridge. All I'm saying is that as Chiefs fans, we should be darn glad that we didn't have Carl Peterson as our GM in the days of Twitter. Oh my because god. Because pulling stunts like this, like he would have absolutely been that kind of guy. Like he would have been the GM who, you know, two faces it uh with Jamal Adams. Like that was absolutely his MO, man. Uh and so, you know, as Chiefs fans, just kind of count your blessings here uh that we haven't had too much of this and hopefully we keep it that way. Uh, I think Andy generally does a pretty good job of keeping a tight ship on that front. Uh, Very. It seems that Veach has done a good job of maintaining that as well. Uh, but I think that it's, uh, yeah, certainly a blessing that we didn't have to deal with that in the uh, reign of King Carl. Uh, though, by the same token, I think that, you know, while, while I certainly understand the frustration from fans and the media about, you know, people create or players creating drama within their organizations that way you know while it certainly didn't help matters that jamal adams went out and aired the dirty laundry on twitter it's a pretty easy fix like if the jets didn't want you know their star safety to put them on blast maybe be men of your word and don't shop him after you've just told him that you know you're going to try to keep him around and he's expressed a desire to stick around like you know just don't pull that sort of a stunt and you don't have a publicity stunt. Like, I don't know. I think that there, it's it needs to be a two-way street. And I think that, you know, while people want to are quick to blame Twitter, I think you really what you're dealing with here is the fact that, you know, there is absolutely no loyalty in, you know, especially in this sport, uh, you know, no. beyond just the absolute marquee star players. Like, you know, everybody is expendable now. Uh, and that wasn't that way always in the past. Uh, I mean, they were, but certainly not to the same, you know, there, there was, I guess, I think a little bit level, a little bit higher level of loyalty than you're seeing in today's NFL. Look, things change so fast in the NFL and in all of sports, but especially in the NFL. Uh, I mean, here are a couple of good examples. Aqib Talib and Marcus Peters, not this past offseason, but the offseason before that, the Rams traded for them for cheap prices, by the way, and now they've both been traded away. Uh, less than a year ago, Matt Nagy, former Chiefs offensive coordinator, was the uh, head coach of the year. And now Bears fans want to pack him and send him out of Chicago. Uh, hey, he you know didn't I mean? the- draft Trubisky over Mahomes. It's not his fault. <laughs> um, you know, there are so many examples that we could use about how fast these kinds of things change. I mean, one one week you and the general manager have a great relationship. The next week, you know, things could be... Uh, a wildfire. Uh, it's it's that crazy, man. Things change very fast. And I mean, Todd Haley almost won Coach of the Year, and then what? Uh, eight didn't nine make it through the next ten season? months later. No, he didn't. Uh, I mean, he got fired three weeks uh, before the following season. I mean, I mean at this rate, Maggie might be that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that might end up happening. So it changes fast, man. It just does. Um, by the way. This is a, a topic I wanted to mention. I am very surprised this doesn't happen often. Uh, if you watched uh, Game 5 of the World Series, uh, I'm sure you guys all heard what happened. The president was there and he got booed and people chanted, lock him up. Um, and by the way, uh, everyone was saying that, you know, uh, the Nationals got what they deserved losing that game 7-1. to Well, they just won the World Series, so that's too bad for those who were hoping otherwise. Uh, hoping for karma to strike there, but... 
Uh, that was not the craziest thing that happened in that game. Uh, if you watched the game, which you probably were watching Sunday Night Football instead, uh, there was a woman who was front row, or one of the first couple of rows, and was flashing her breasts behind home plate. Look, obviously some sort of attention seeker to try to get it on camera. She's already got a big following on social media. She posted the letter that Major League Baseball sent her, banning her from every stadium in baseball. Look, it's it's nothing harmful. I mean, if you're an adult, you probably chuckle at that. You know, children watching, and, I mean, parents may not like that, but whatever. Um, I mean, listen. let's be real. I think I was you know, 9 or 10 whenever the... Uh... No, I guess I would have been 10 when the uh, Janet Jackson incident took place at halftime of the Super Bowl. So, like, you know, these things do happen on national broadcasts. Listen, kids are playing Grand Theft Auto video games now, and I think we all know what those games entail, all right? Um, so, look, it's not the worst thing in the world, but this woman, you know, what bothers me from, like, a broadcasting standpoint, TV stations hate that, okay? They don't want to get in trouble uh, they don't want to receive fines for this kind of thing because then they have to be on a delay so they can dump that kind of thing. And she was getting other people to do it as well. Look, if you want attention, take a funny sign and show it front row. Like the guy who had the Joe Buck sucks shirt. And even Joe <laughs> Buck even even Joe Buck had fun with that on Twitter. Like, I mean, just, just do something else. Something a little less damaging to, like, the TV stations out there, because think of them as well. Uh, You may think it's just a a funny joke and all, but the TV stations, and I'm saying this because I've worked in TV before, uh, they don't take kindly to that kind of thing. Uh, I will say I'm a little surprised this stuff doesn't happen more often, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, by the same token, I I guess it's probably for the best that it doesn't, just because, you know, yeah, it the, just the publicity storm is just you know it's not a real good look anywhere across the board there. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not offended by it or anything. I mean, to be honest, I wasn't watching either. But you know, I mean, it, it's not like it's going to be the first or last time that people have seen something like that. Like it happens. Um, yeah. But I, I I agree with you in that it's way more fun. I would say to you, know, it, just be a little more clever about it. I, I don't know if you want to, you know, draw attention to yourself. Uh, you know, I mean, I just think to myself, like, you know, of college game day and stuff like that. Like, it's absolutely hilarious all the different signs that you see. Uh, or, you know, plenty of other ways to be like, ah, that guy, yeah, he deserves attention. That was clever. Or like, you know, the people who will throw their Venmo handle up and then you know, donate it to kids' charities and stuff. Like, yeah, that's there. There are so many better ways to draw attention to yourself than just flashing them. But, I mean, it's what it is. Uh, Zach, I know you're not a big uh, co- uh, combat sports fan, but are you aware of what's going on with boxing in the UFC this weekend? I am not. Okay, so, well, you should know about the UFC because uh, they've got a big event coming up uh, at Madison Square Garden in New York City where you are. Um, so I am Nate, there. <laughs> Yeah, Nate Diaz is going to be fighting for okay. the second time since his return. He's fighting George Masvidal, who had that five-second knockout over the summer. Do you remember that? I, with the flying um, knee? Yes. Okay. Yep. I do. Yeah, know. that was against the former Mizzou Tiger, Ben Askren. So mm-hmm. those two are fighting. Uh, and uh, Nate Diaz called him out saying, you know, uh, I'm, l- let's prove who the baddest MFR is. And so Dana White, the president of the UFC, he decided to create a belt called the baddest MFR in the game. Now, I, he's actually saying the actual word in a lot of these interviews of he's course. doing. But. 
I have no I mean, idea how Dana Bruce White. Buffer. Yeah, it is Dana White. Uh, I I don't know how Bruce Buffer, the uh, ring announcer, how he's allowed to say this once they crown the winner of this uh, very rare special belt that they're creating for such occasion. Um, this match almost didn't happen, but uh, it's going to happen now. Uh, they've also got Canelo Alvarez and Sergey Kovalov for a boxing fight that same night. So that's going to be a pretty big weekend for combat sports. Have you seen any signs for UFC 244 this weekend? Because I, I'm, I'm sh- I hear a lot of hype around it here in Kansas City. Have you heard much about it in New York City? I mean, to be honest, I haven't. But that doesn't mean you know it's not you know been publicized or anything. It just most likely means that I just haven't been paying tons of attention. Uh, you know, more often than not, the stuff that I see advertised, you know, like on top of cabs or on, you know, uh, any bus stop and stuff like that. Like those are where you see most of like the, you know, print advertising, if you will. Uh, most of those have still been, you know, your average network TV shows, uh, stuff like that. Maybe the occasional Broadway show. So I haven't seen too much, uh, advertising the, uh, fights, but that doesn't mean it's not there. It just means I probably haven't seen it. Well, if you get a chance, man, uh, try to go to a sports bar or maybe cross a legal boundary or two and watch that Nate Diaz fight. If you want to see a good fight, and it's going to probably be on roughly 11 o'clock Central Time, so probably midnight where you are if you're up for that late at night, uh, that's going to be a damn good fight. That'll be a damn good fight on good Saturday or Sunday night. I, mean, I know uh, Diaz, his reputation precedes him, so yeah, uh, that'll be interesting. I wasn't aware that that was taking place. I mean, quite literally in my backyard. It's I'm really Nate only Diaz, a few blocks away from it. So Nate Diaz is hilarious. We talked about how like he did an interview saying that oh his opponent pulled out because of an injury, so he automatically loses. Like that's not how things work. Um, he was doing a press conference, and a reporter asked, uh, "You know, we hear you get asked the same question every time. Is there anything else that you want to, you know, uh, put out there for people to know?" And he goes. No, and everyone's just like laughing. He's like he's unintentionally hilarious. It's actually really funny just listening to Nate Diaz do interviews out there in the media. Um, but no, it should be an awesome fight. This uh, should be a great card all around too for both boxing and the UFC. So going to be a fun weekend of combat sports. All right, last topic I do want to touch on here. This one uh, to wrap up a bit, a bit of a lengthy one. Zach, what streaming services are you signed up for? Are you on Netflix, Hulu, HBO Go, CBS All Access? Do you have any of those? Currently Netflix and Hulu, and I did have to bite the bullet for Sunday Ticket because, unfortunately, yeah, as every as you've noted a couple of times when you've been reading through all the places where they show uh, the Chiefs game when it's not in prime time, yeah, New York is rarely on that list because they have two teams plus the Bills. Uh, so the the Chiefs rarely get hometown billing, so I had to get Sunday ticket as well. Oh yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, two AFC teams in the Bills and the uh, and the Jets, so that can be pretty hard. Yeah, didn't even think yeah. about that. Um, it's a pain. Well, well, here's what's going on. Everyone's heard about Disney Plus. So much hype for Disney Plus. I want to say it's been mm-hmm. more than half a year now that we have received uh, all this hype about Disney Plus. It's a brand new streaming service. Many are excited about. It's coming out in less than two weeks. Lots of great content. Star Wars, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, National Geographic, Disney movies, Pixar movies. Lots of great movies. By the way, I've looked through some of the list of the movies. Uh, I'm obviously excited for Star Wars and the Marvel movies. I know you are big fans of those as well. Mm-hmm. Some of my childhood favorites that I have not seen in a long time that 
quite honestly, I'd love to just binge watch and rewatch these again. Rookie of the Year, Sandlot, Adventures of Huck Finn, Mighty Ducks, Homeward and... Bound. Uh, is there is there have you had a chance to see this list by the way, or and is there a movie that sticks out to you? I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I'm, while I'm certainly hyped for some of the movies, especially, I mean, I, I hadn't looked through and seen that they've got Rookie of the Year and Sandlot, but, like, both of those were, you know, big parts of my childhood there. Uh, but then, you know, I'm also hyped for a lot of the shows that they're putting on. Like, they've got the original DuckTales coming back, Darkwing Duck, um, you know, and some of that, you know, kind of, like Chippendale Rescue Rangers and a couple others uh, coming back on that. Like I, I was a fan of those TV shows when I was a kid, just because that was the cartoons that I would watch uh, in the afternoons. Uh, and so glad to see some of those coming back. And uh, yeah, no, they're definitely getting my money. Like it's a foregone conclusion. What's the Star Wars one called again? The Mandalorian. Yes, that has been in. I've seen that on TV a lot in terms of commercials. So. That is one that a lot of people are looking forward to. And I know the Marvel Cinematic Universe is now going to do some TV series. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how this pans out because Disney owns ESPN. Well, actually, I'll get to that in a minute. But I think what's going to be so cool about Disney Plus, I mentioned before, you know, I'm a big fan of history. So we've seen a lot of these animated uh, Disney movies uh, have remakes. Um, so, for example, The Lion King. Just had a really mm-hmm. great remake. Uh, I just saw it recently for the first time. And I think it'd be cool for a young kid that maybe just saw the new Lion King and be able to compare it to the original. Same thing with Cinderella. They had a, a remake a couple of years ago. 101 Dalmatians. And you can compare that to the original. They're remaking so, that one too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'd be very cool to see uh, how, how the younger audience would react to something like that. Um, but I mentioned... Uh, Disney owns ESPN, and when Disney Plus was first announced, I asked, is there going to be any sports content because of the fact Disney owns ESPN? But ESPN already has its own platform with ESPN Plus. And some ESPN content, like 30 for 30, some of the 30 for 30s, they've been on Netflix. They're not on there anymore. In fact, the only ESPN content I see on Netflix is the one-of-one Genesis. And I've got to be honest, I've never seen that before. I don't know Uh, what that is. (laughs) Yeah, uh... Here's what I'll say. You won't see any sports content on Disney+. Plus. However, given the hype that's being generated from all of this, and we are now bringing in another streaming service into our lives here, joining Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Apple TV, slash iTunes, Google Play, HBO Go, CBS All Access. I don't know what this one is, but apparently it's one of the popular ones called Vudu. Um, I mean, there are lots of streaming services out there. And then you talk about some live TV streaming services like YouTube TV, Fire Stick, Roku, Sling TV, Hulu TV. Uh, I don't know the details, but I know Hulu TV has some sort of NFL package deal as well where you can catch all the games. Uh, Here's my point. Now that we have another streaming service out there, and because people are going to be adding another streaming service into their viewing experience, is this going to help push us? To get to the point where live sporting events are going to be exclusively available on streaming services. Because you can rent movies through DirecTV, Spectrum, Dish. I mean, you have these pay-per-view services. But with services like Hulu TV that has live TV and an NFL package, could these cable companies see the end of the road one day? I know a lot of people are talking about cutting the cord and all. And we've seen a drop-off in that. I don't know what the number is, but there's a drop-off. The bigger picture, as a sports fan, will we have to watch Chiefs games exclusively 
through some sort of streaming service? Or will we see big sporting events like a Super Bowl um, become available exclusively through our streaming services? It's hard to say yes right now because these cable companies still have a lot of customers, but they've also lost a lot of customers over the years. And again, I don't know the number. I don't have that in front of me. But many say that they've cut the cord. And if I'm not mistaken, that has forced some of these cable companies to merge. So here we are. We're getting all these streaming services and a lot of people going to YouTube TV or Hulu TV, whatever. Are we going to get to the point one day where we're going to see a Chiefs game not be available on a cable network? It's going to be on some sort of streaming service. What's your takeaway when you hear that, Zach? I mean, long term, yeah, that's probably going to happen at some point. But do I think it's going to happen in the next 10 years? Probably not. Though that being said, one thing that I would love to see happen and that I'm amazed doesn't exist, um, and it's you know certainly something that I only recently became aware of, again, given that I moved out to New York City, but I'm amazed that you know the NFL doesn't have something out there where you know, you, know, you could pay a slightly less than what you'd have to pay for something like Sunday Ticket uh, to just have the Chiefs games. Like, I'll be honest, I don't care about all the other NFL games that I technically get as part of the Sunday ticket subscription that I pay for. I All I bought it for was the Chiefs games. That's all I want. Uh, and I would be willing to bet good money that there's a lot of other fans out there of all 32 NFL teams that you know are out of whatever that home market might be, and all they want is the ability to follow their team. And I think that that's the sort of thing that realistically... I think that's where it goes in the future. Um, I'm amazed the NFL hasn't done something like that now, that the MLB hasn't done something like that now. Uh, I see no reason that they shouldn't do it that way, um, at least certainly in the NFL, given the way that you know, it's got a level of competitive balance. In the MLB, it could have you know some ramifications, like you know, if, imagining that if you, know, you had some of the smaller market teams, uh, you know, who knows, maybe they have a bigger following through the streaming, maybe they don't. Uh, and how does that impact their ability to you know field a team? I don't know, but I think that that's something that you're going to start to see happen before too long. You know, there will be the uh, you know Chiefs Network, so to speak, um, where you know you subscribe to it and you know it gets you all of the Chiefs games, and you don't have to pay for all the rest of it. And you see this a lot with NFL teams. The Chiefs are doing it as well, where they have like an online pregame show. Uh, where they're trying to get you to watch their pregame show instead of, you know, the NFL Today on CBS. And, I mean, I, I'm sure it doesn't even compete right now, but the more you push for this kind of stuff, the more you do it, the more people will hear about it. And kind of makes you wonder, you know, if there's going to be... I remember when YouTube first started, there were only like seven or eight YouTube celebrities. And one guy had a uh, channel called um, Internet Killed Television, and a lot of people kept asking him, do you think the internet will ever fully destroy TV? And he said, no, there's always going to be, you know, two different balances here. But we're kind of starting to, maybe not at a fast pace, but we're gradually seeing a, a shift towards the internet uh, kind of getting the upper hand. Would you agree with that statement? I think to a point, yes. Though, by the same token, I mean, as, you know, I, I don't know what the average cable bundle goes for, but... With, you know, just Netflix, Hulu, and, you know, Disney Plus that's going to start, you know, here in a couple of weeks. I mean, you're already getting up to, I mean, I think Netflix is like $15 a month. Hulu is, I think, you know, another 12 And Disney Plus is supposed to be coming in just shy of 10 if my memory serves. I mean, you're already at, 
you know, almost $40 there. Um, and so, you know, all of a sudden you add a couple more of these and then realistically you're back at the same price, re- relatively speaking, as cable. It's just a different delivery mechanism. So I, I don't know. I don't know that it's that big of a deal. Um, but I certainly like the uh, you know fact that it's less ad-driven because I like being able to binge my shows without ads in the middle. So you know, as a big UFC fan, I have to basically subscribe to UFC uh, or excuse me ESPN Plus because all of their pay-per-views are now available exclusively on ESPN Plus, which is funny. You have to subscribe to ESPN Plus and then you have to buy the pay-per-view too. So it's like you're making two payments there. Um, and yeah, then- that's dumb. Yeah, that's just, I mean, but hey, they're making a lot of money off of it, uh, and they're going for it. Um, but here's the thing. They also have a lot of events that are exclusively available on ESPN+. Plus. That It's not a pay-per-view buy, but it's just available on ESPN+. Plus. I think they only do six ESPN TV events a year. So the UFC went from doing 40 TV events a year to just six. They only have six events on ESPN or ESPN2. So it has gotten to the point, man, where like the UFC, which recently sold for $4.2 billion, they have made this big transaction where, um, what, 90% of their uh, events are available online. So, uh, and it's ESPN we're talking about. It's a, it's a big network here. So I'm curious to see how this will impact other sports and when we're going to see a massive shift in something like this, because it's on the way. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when that is going to happen. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? No, I think we can put a bow on that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Disney Plus, man. That'll be a lot of fun. Some of the newer movies coming out. Uh, it's, I'm just re-watching some, uh, some old movies uh, I haven't seen in a very long time. So that'll be a lot of fun, too. All right, Zach, uh, a lot to cover on this episode. Of course, if you guys enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on social media. Zach is on Twitter at ZStegna. I am at Farzine21, Facebook.com slash FarzineVesugian. Follow us on Twitter and follow me on Facebook. Give it a like on Facebook, 913-808-2119. Text us after the game. Let us know your thoughts on the Chiefs and Vikings game once it is over. I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about. DJ Evans will join us on Sunday's episode, uh, rescheduling his hit on Sunday instead of having it for this episode. So for those who are looking forward to that, he'll be on Sunday. And, of course, we will be back on Thursday. Hopefully this time on Thursday. We will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Titans, and hopefully Mahomes will be back by then. Hopefully he's back this week, but... Uh, Better be safe uh, and not rushing back in there. But nonetheless, a lot of things to look forward to in the next couple of weeks before the Chiefs have their bye week. About three games left before that bye week. So, yes, uh, definitely going to be a very busy couple weeks for the Chiefs. All right, I am Farzi Vesugian. He is Zach Senga. Big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to the episode. Subscribe, share it with your friends. Until then, we'll talk to you after the game. Share the links, spread the word about the podcast. Until then, enjoy your weekend.